Hello, hello, and welcome to the Mild and Lazy Guys podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Matt. And I'm Andrew. And on today's episode, we've got items from the news desk, including the Zodiac uh, Zodiac Cypher being solved, an airport B&B, rock and roll parrots, and we have a follow-up to our Rocketman story from a few months ago. On our Mount Rushmore, we discuss our favorite Denzel Washington movies. We've got another Pick Your Poison, um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about our movie review plans for 2021 and talk about you know movies we're looking forward to um, and movies we're going to review. And then we've got sports. We've got a Super Bowl matchup to talk about. Is Tom Brady the GOAT? And we'll talk a little bit about Cowboys picking number 10 in the upcoming draft. All that and more on this episode of the Mild and Lazy Guys podcast. So what's going on, man? Well, a lot's been going on, I guess. But, um, you know, I've had a few instances just this week. For instance, we were at the lake, and I realized just how old I'm getting because i got a Werther's in my pocket. Mm-hmm. I've got one in my mouth. I'm feeding the ducks. I'm having a great time. And these, like, teenage kids just pull up in their car, park next to us, and get out of their car, open all the doors, and start just blasting this shitty music like as loud as it can go just for everyone else to hear and for some reason like that just got under my skin so bad and I got so irritated because I'm out here with my family there's other people fishing people at a bench eating and these fucking kids get out and just start skipping rocks and it was Claire told me it was Ed Sheeran music so they're blasting as loud as they can and just skipping rocks and most people just let it go but I was getting so fucking irritated and like just blown away that people would be such assholes and narcissists about this that I was about to go over there and tell these young kids piece of my mind before Claire told me like how crazy I sound and that I'll just probably get beat up. You know, I'm outnumbered like four to one. So, ah, just, dude, you're like one step away from like a sweater vest and loafers. I'm telling you, man. I mean, we were out there. I brought extra bread for the ducks. You know, I got Werther's wrappers in my pockets, and I just I couldn't couldn't wrap my head around why it's just so inconsiderate which <laughs> now i'm starting to sound like a karen but i was just like what are you doing like this is a personal this is a public space you know it's like going to the library and playing your shitty music on your radio that nobody or, else wants or, to hear and this happened to me last week when you're in a store like in line like at the grocery store and the people that talk on their phones with yeah, the those speaker are psychos on, like what do you? Nobody cares. Nobody. Like, they're they're just narcissists who don't think about other people. They are in their own world and nothing else matters. I can't stand it. I'm telling you, man. I was about to pick a fight with like a bunch of teenagers and get my ass kicked in front of my I wife show up and today, child. Like what happened? I got <laughs> beat up by kids. <laughs> it was worth it because I turned down that music. Oh, dude, I can't tell you how good it feels to be back. Uh, took us a minute to get going. Took a couple takes on the intro, uh, which it usually does, but there toward the end, when we left off, I was nailing it. First, you know, one take. But it took me a little bit to get back in the saddle, but it feels Shit. good to be back in the chair. It feels took- good to be back after our little uh, 
trademark or copyright scare. Yeah, that was the longest thing because we were good to go. We just couldn't think of a name. You know, names are so important. It's like naming your child. You got to think. And then you got to cross-reference with the trademark website and, you know, Google everything to see if it's already been used. And it just took, it was just frustrating, man. And this one was like our last, we, we were about to set with another name and then we just blurted this one out at the last second. And we were like, we yeah, let's go with it. it. Yeah, let's just go with this one instead. So I searched... Uh, Apple Podcasts, I search Spotify, I search Google, and even the trademark registry through the U.S. government, and nothing popped up for Mild and Lazy Guys podcast. So, this is what it is. Same podcast, same dudes, different name. So, I'm going to work out on the back end, like changing. None of our previous episodes are going anywhere, but I've got to work out how to change the name and still keep everything in the same feed. Yeah. Um. So, we are going to start having guests from time to time. There is a piece of equipment that we need to buy, but we're going to go in, uh, have these, and and purchase it. And we're going to start bringing in guests and switch, you know, just changing it up, shaking things up just a little bit. You know, nothing, obviously, that would take away from the podcast because we do enough sabotaging of the podcast ourselves <laughs> yeah they uh, people who listen that would be on like know the formula they know how it would go that we would just let them know like hey we want to watch this movie what do you think about that what do you think about this segment so they would be up to up you know up to speed with us whenever we started so if we got a couple guys that want to get on i guess apparently you don't have to be a dad now you can just be a mild and lazy guy yeah that's the only requirement you know you can be mild and or lazy right we're just happy to be both yep yep uh, so we make it work but no, it's good to be back. I was excited all day at work, which I started a new job. So that yeah. was kind of, that delayed the process a little bit. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So second week. And so it's just, it took me a while to get, I'm still not used to it all the way, but getting on a different schedule, there's a different routine, figuring out where this podcast fits in, you know. Yeah. Scheduling is going to be a little more difficult now, but we'll just like we don't have a set day it's whatever day works works for me yeah because instead of being at work at 10 or 11 now i gotta be at work at 7 38 o'clock yep. so it changes a little bit but uh we both you know we're not going anywhere this podcast is a baby to both of us so uh it's just gonna take some adjusting but uh yeah new job uh what else that's about it uh, i've realized that i'm still married to a psycho based on eating habits uh, with claire what a- We've, if anyone listens, we've already established, you know, a few of her shady things. But so I've already explained to y'all how bougie I am. I have an air fryer. Yep. I got HBO Max. I'm living my best life. Yep. I also am very particular on my strawberries. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like the big organic strawberries because they last longer and they're fucking delicious. You know, they're like the size of like a golf ball. So I was eating, I was having some with Claire and I was going to give her one big, you know, plump strawberries. And maybe i'm just weird but i would think how you eat a strawberry is the tip first you take that first initial bite off the tip always put the tip in first okay yeah we established that yep this fucking psycho goes straight for the side like it's a corn on the cob and rips into it from the side and i was just looking at her in utter disbelief and she's looking at me like you know what's wrong i was like i've never seen anyone eat a strawberry like that like what are you doing we've been together 14 years and you're just now do telling me you know showing me this fair enough but on the list of her weird eating habits that's Probably at the bottom. Yeah, no. So that's what I said. I was like, how, how do you know when you're done? Do you eat the fucking leafy stem to finish it off? Like maybe get some greens. Like how do you how does how do you eat strawberries? How do I not know how you eat strawberries? Because everyone else in the world 
puts the tip in first, just like we've established. You, the, you always put the tip in. So, I don't know, man. I saw that, and she just thought I was so weird because I was just bewildered by this initial bite and staring at her with, like, wide eyes. And she's like, you know, so both of leave you me alone. Problem. Yeah. She's looking at you like you're crazy. And you're yeah, looking at her. and I'm looking at her like, what the fuck am I doing with you? <laughs> man. But I, and also, I found out a good way to mess with her. Um, I've been doing this like since the new year started. I probably got to stop soon because I do it too much and it really drives her crazy. But I started taking everything she says literally. Like when she <laughs> says she's like when she's That's like I got to run bit. to the store. I'm like Claire, it's cold outside and just drive. You'll be there a lot sooner, you know. And she'd be like, I'm gonna jump in the shower. And I'm like, absolutely not. That Slippery. is extremely dangerous. Yeah, do not slip in the shower when you get in there. You can't throw clothes on. You got to put it on one at a time. The dad and she got yeah, dude. She's just ha ha dad jokes. And she's like, you know what? You keep making those jokes. I won't talk to you anymore. So I kept going and kept going. And then you know what? Best Saturday in a while. <laughs> I was chilling you, all night. You had played some, yourself, I, woman. Yeah, I was watching movies, sipping some drink. Like, just had a great Saturday night yourself. in my lazy chair. She thought I was going to be so pissed about that, but hey, it worked. So, anybody who needs a... Well, don't push it too far, like I said. I think I need to retire the bit, at least for a while, because I was taking everything she said so literally to where she was. She wouldn't talk to me for like an hour or That's two. That's awesome, dude. But Thanks for the tip. I'm going to try this. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren might hit me, though. Yeah, you really me. have to know when you push it too far, and I've pushed it too far, so now it's like you got to pick your battles, which is marriage. All right, well, I'm glad to know you're, what, 31, 32, going I'm on 73? 33, 33 going on 73? I can't wait to be 73 and just eat Werther's all day, draw my Social Security. At that point, you've earned it to be an ass. Yeah, I'm going to move to like Vegas and just gamble my grandchild's money away, or oh, you know, yeah. their college funds away. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Uh, hopefully it's open we, by then. They're talking about uh, sports betting here in Texas, though. Oh, I know. That we would be awesome. Yeah, somebody brought that up, and that's not on the run sheet, but we should talk about that. That would make me so happy. That Bec- and marijuana would solve so many problems. And make so much money for the state, too. Like, didn't they, it was our friend Jake said, like, just sports betting. That's what I was telling Claire. It's not casinos and money like that. It's just betting. It's like, hey, I want $20 on the Chiefs for the Super Bowl. That state made $6 billion off of that profit. Mm-hmm. Billions in profit, you know? Yep. So, yeah. Anyone, when that prop proposition comes up, let's all come together and vote yes for legalized gambling and marijuana. Um, I wouldn't be mad at it. So, with that, let's move on to the news desk. And I think Andrew's got our first story. Yeah, this one comes from CNN. It's uh, more than 50 years after the so-called Zodiac Killer first began terrorizing the streets of Northern California. A code-breaking team is believed to have finally cracked one of the killer's mysterious coded messages sent to the San Francisco Chronicle in 1969. Dubbed the 340 cipher, the message was unraveled by a trio of code-breakers. David Orinchak, the software developer in Virginia, Jarl von Eckel, a Belgian computer programmer, and Sam Blake, an Australian mathematician. Decoding the cipher revealed the following message. It was sent in all capital letters without punctuation and including misspelling of paradise. I hope you have lots of fun in trying to catch me. Uh, that wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am, I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner. Because I hold on. Because I now have enough slaves to work for me, where everyone else has ever, where everyone else has nothing, 
when they reach paradise, so they are afraid of death. I am not afraid, because I know that all my all my new life will never be as easy as the one in... God damn it, dude. <laughs> I am not afraid, because I know that my life, my new life, will be an easy one in paradise death. So, what? I think why, in Zodiac, I think we've kind of shared our love for all things serial killers and... Oh yeah, true crime and all that. I, but Zodiac may be my favorite case because it's one of the most publicized, and it's one of the most interesting for stuff like this. Like he was sending in all these ciphers to the yeah, police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The code breakers. He kind of switched up all his motive, like not his motives, but you know, kind of like how he operated and how he killed each, pe- you know, people. And then I, I'm sure you've seen the movie with Jake Gyllenhaal, like when they killed that couple at um. That's a, forget the, name the water. Of the yeah. But he had like the hood on and the cross. I remember that because then he hog time and like stab him in he the hog, back. Yeah, he hog tied him. And then he wrote on there, he wrote the little zodiac symbol and blood on the car window. And then he just, you know, and then he shot that guy in the taxi. He shot the taxi driver. So it's, it's always been super interesting. And he's, I mean, he's probably dead by now. But he's, yeah, because I mean, if he was 69, you would think he was 30 at the earliest. means he's born in 39, which would put him at, like, over 70 now. Oh, way over 70. Yeah. He's in his 80s now. In his 80s, and, yeah, I don't think he made it. No. Or I don't think he – I think he got away with it. He might have relocated away from – you know, that's what some killers do when it gets a little hot. They just relocate, but then – I don't think he did. I think he – You think he just quit? I think he just quit. I don't know. It seems like they have, like, an insatiable appetite for – mayhem and killing and it's hard to it may be you know he, he may have speaking got from experience you know it's hard to, it's hard to just <laughs> he may let got go. picked up on something else he may have died in prison that's true and never said anything that's but what i've been and i'm gonna spoil uh what are we watching and listening to a little bit but you started listening to the apology line yeah <clears throat> you know they had a good caller there that called himself zodiac yeah you could tell he was full of shit though. yeah but that kind of when you said relocated that kept, that's what made me think of it but uh no this is one of my this is one of my all-time favorite cases just cuz he's never been caught and just the way he operated and not that I'm a fan of right you're not a fan just, of his work but it's interesting it's very interesting like i'm interested in cults it doesn't mean i'm going to join a cult but anything like cult related or mass murder related serial killer related it's always kind of fascinating. And me. it's a good thing, you know, like nowadays it's very hard for somebody to get away with stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a certain era probably up until mid 80s, late 80s when Oh DNA yeah, serial killers peaked up until that point. Up until up into the 90s when everything got more electronical yeah. and then now they got the tracking. Yeah. You just... And then you have stuff like ancestry.com and the DNA stuff. Yeah, that's gotten a few of well, them. That's how they got the Golden State killer. Yeah, you're right. That is that's what I was thinking. And he was he was done. He was retired, man. He he was, what, 30, 40 years done. He was in his late 70s. Yeah, because that was in 70s. the happened in the 70s and 80s. And then yeah. people, again, like you said, they thought he just got caught or retired or died. And was it like some relative put all this in and the, his mm-hmm. DNA hit on that base, Popped. which they had. Because, yep. you know, when you're when committing these crimes, you I'm sure they weren't thinking like, oh, this doesn't happen to me one day. Right, right. But uh, it says it was incredible. It was a big shock. I never really thought we'd find anything because I had grown so used to failure, uh, said the Orich, one of the code breakers, who's been working on solving the killer's messages to, since 2006, he told CNN. When I first started, I used to get excited when I would see some of the words come through. They were like, 
They they were like false positive phantoms. I had grown used to that. It was a long shot. We didn't really know if there was a message, he said. The trio took their findings to the FBI a week ago, they said. The Zodiac Killer is most known for leaving a trail of five unsolved murders between 1968 and 1969. He was never caught, but he gained notoriety by writing letters to police and local media up until 1974, sometimes in code, boasting of the killings. Bloody bits of clothing were included in his letters as proof of his actions. He claimed that he killed as many as 37 people. The FBI said in a statement that the case remains an ongoing investigation for the Bureau's San Francisco office and its local law enforcement partners. Dang, so they only got five on them, but claims 37. Claim, yeah, but, I, you know, when they claim, I just... Yeah, because Henry, Henry Lee Lucas claimed to kill like 300 or something, yeah. you know, something wild like that, and they could only prove, I mean, still dozens that he... They could prove that he did, but, you know, once you get caught, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I killed... Or I killed uh, JFK. Yeah. You know, I killed Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's still just, fucking crazy. Though. It's crazy. And uh, unless he left something behind, you know, unless like, somebody's cleaning out a garage. And yeah, yeah. So I was thinking like an, like an addict, in, a box in the attic. Whatever this thing. Smart is. guy, though. I mean, to, to write a code that remained unsolved for over 50 years. And there's still, I think, two ciphers that are still unsolved from Zodiac. To me, you know, I can't write a code like that. So to me, it tells you he's intelligent. Especially nowadays, when you have mili- when you have divisions within our military that that's their whole job that's is their cracking whole job codes, is to yeah. Crack codes and they and I don't know if they've ever took a shot at it. Maybe they have. Maybe they haven't. But uh, it and and it could be nonsense. He those other ones could just be nonsense. They could be just be symbols and not mean anything. But I don't know. That one's always been super interested to me. I love the movie. Anything I can yeah. read on it uh, is. I always just you know, always eat it up. So S- sounds morbid, but maybe we could do like a Mount Rushmore serial killers. I'm down. I think down. we've talked about that before, and I'm down too. I'm down. Um, all right. So our next story. Uh, the headline reads: Man lived inside O'Hare uh, Airport for three months before detection. Prosecutors say a California man who police claimed to be too afraid to fly during COVID-19 hid out for three months in a secured area of O'Hare International Airport. Until his weekend arrest, prosecutors said Sunday, Adiata Singh, 36, is charged with felony criminal trespass to a restricted area of an airport and misdemeanor theft. In bond court Sunday, prosecutors said Singh arrived at O'Hare on a flight from Los Angeles October 19th and and allegedly has lived in the airport security zone ever since without detection. Cook County Judge Susanna Ortiz reacted incredulously Sunday after a prosecutor detailed the allegations. And I I quote, so if I understand you correctly, Ortiz said, you're telling me that an unauthorized non-employee individual was allegedly living within a secure part of the O'Hare airport terminal from October 19th, 2020 to January 16th, 2021 and was not detected. I want to understand you correctly. Early Saturday afternoon, two United Airlines employees approached seeing and asked to see his identification. Assistant state Attorney Kathleen Haggerty said Singh lowered his face mask and showed them an airport ID badge that he was wearing around his neck. The badge actually belonged to an operations manager who had reported it missing October 26th. The employees called 911. Police took Singh into custody about 11.10 a.m. Saturday in Terminal 2 near Gate F-12. So, that's terrifying. Yeah, it's like a... It's like the guy who reported from the 
baseball stadium, but even more terrifying <clears throat> because this is, you know, I thought it'd be kind of difficult to, in this day and age, to stow away in a airport like that. Apparently not. Uh, it, the article continues. Haggerty said seeing reportedly found the badge in the airport and was, quote, scared to go home due to COVID. She told the judge <laughs> other passengers were giving him food. Uh, Singh lives with roommates in Orange, California, southeast of Los Angeles, and does not have a criminal background, according to Assistant Public Defender Courtney Smallwood. She said he has a master's degree in hospitality and is unemployed. Mm. Smallwood acknowledged the circumstances were unusual, but noted the allegations were nonviolent. It was unclear what brought Singh to Chicago and if he has any ties to the area. As a condition of bail, Ortiz barred Singh from stepping foot in the airport again if he is able to post... Uh, the $1,000 he needs for his release. He is due back in court January 27th. Uh, quote, uh, the court finds these facts and circumstances quite shocking for the alleged period of time that this occurred, the judge said. Being in a secured part of the airport under a fake ID badge allegedly based upon the need for airports to be absolutely secure so people feel safe to travel, I do not find those alleged actions to make do make him a danger to the community. So it sounds like this guy isn't really a threat so maybe that story is credible because COVID has done yeah it has taken a toll on people's mental and I bet, you know and that they probably kept that airport like pretty fucking clean yeah and like you said it was a basically a victimless crime he's got he's got a master's degree what really bummed me out because it's like fuck you know that guy's got a master's degree and he's having to slum it in an airport for a few months but at some point if you're t- okay if you're too scared to fly at some point don't you just walk out and Use your cell phone and call somebody. Why you got say, a roof over your head? Well, because <laughs> I don't want to live in a. People, I don't want to live under the stairs of the airport. We don't know where he's coming from. He could have been living in a cramped little stowaway closet. Okay, in, like a uh, week is one thing, but three, however long it was, three months, October to January. I don't know. That's long. No, oh, yeah, I couldn't months. do it. Believe me, I'm not like advocating for it. I just think at some it. point you <laughs> would just walk out the door and be like, "Hey, uh, roommate." Can you? They probably yeah. Like how the hopefully he was communicating with them. They'd probably be like wondering where he's been this yeah, all see, of that winter. Make sense. Like, hey, what are you doing, dude? Like, yeah, he was last seen in Chicago, and like nobody like decided to follow up on that. So I'm at the it's airport. kind of it's kind of like a more questions than answers when yeah. you read it. It's like lot, not sure. So when I first heard about this story, and I went to go do some research on it, I just googled "man living in airport," and this wasn't the first story that popped up. So the first story that popped up was this guy named Miran Karimi Nasiri. Uh, he was an Iranian refugee who lived in the departure lounge of Terminal 1 and Charles de Gaulle Airport uh, in Paris, I believe, from, get this, August 26, 1988 until July 2006. Golly. And the only reason he left is because he, he was sick. So in 18 years, he got sick only one time and had to leave? Yes. Like, God damn. Uh, Nasiri alleges to have been expelled from Iran in 1977 for protests against the Shah. After a long battle involving applications in several countries, he was awarded refugee status um, in Belgium. Um, let's see. Uh, Great radio, great radio. Uh, having one British parent, he decided in 1986 to settle in the UK, but on route there... In 1988, his papers were lost when his briefcase was allegedly stolen. Uh, others indicate that Nasiri actually mailed his document, documents to Brussels while on board a ferry to Britain and lied about them being stolen. Despite this, this setback, he boarded the plane for London but was promptly returned to France when he failed to present a passport. Uh, 
to British uh, immigration officials. He was initially arrested by the French, but then released as his entry to the airport was legal and he had no country of origin to be returned to. Thus began his residence at Terminal 1. That's So he just stayed there. That's got to be the origin of that Tom Hanks movie, The Terminal, because in that movie he's there for decades, and like he has Tom Hanks is like a foreign has a foreign accent in that movie, so it really sounds like that story well, if you, is the they, basis for that they movie. They show a picture of this guy's like little cubby hole he's living in. Oh my god, it's not bad, not bad. I've I've lived in worse. Um, but it's funny you mention a movie uh, in 2003. DreamWorks paid. $250,000 to Nasiri for the rights to his story, but ultimately did not use the story in the subsequent film, The Terminal. Oh, well. So there you go. Obviously, there was a connection because I made the connection. Yeah, yeah. So, but I just, I thought for sure when I thought, when I plugged in, when I typed in man living in airport, it would. The, the, yeah, boy, did you know that that guy was an amateur and you're about to learn <laughs> yeah. from the real fucking OG of it. Shit, he lived there. I don't know what is that almost 18, 18 years. years yeah 88 to 06 yeah. so yeah, that so and uh, I guess he was knighted so cuz he's served What? For, yeah. He a fucking knighted for that? Let's see this. Um uh, in a series stay at the airport in July 2006 when he was hospital- hospitalized and his sitting place dismantled. <laughs> Towards the end of January 2007 he left the hospital and was lo- looked after by the airport's branch of the French Red Cross. He was lodged for a few weeks in a hotel close to the airport on March 6, 2007, he was transferred to a, a charity reception center. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it doesn't say, but Man. how he... Oh, wait. Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't think he got knighted. You know what, though? But it says Sir Little. S- Sir Alfred Miron. So. Sounds, sounds pretty proper and fancy. God bless you. He's still alive. He doesn't have citizenship anywhere. It says he's uh, he was Iranian from 46 to 77. And he's stateless from 77 to present. So he's a man without a home. Man without a country. But he's always in our hearts. Always in our hearts. Sir Nasiri. All right. Uh, you got our last, uh, last yeah, story? Yeah, I got a good one. All right. This one's called, um, well, it's not called anything, but the headline is, A parrot that can outsing Robert Plant and Axl Rose is melting hearts, blowing minds, and breaking the internet. Meet Tico, the parrot, the internet's new favorite rock star. A beautiful bird with a gift of singing along to its owner, Frank Maglio's covers of classic songs by Led Zeppelin, Guns N' Roses, The Beatles, Van Halen, and more. Tico has become an online sensation. Maglio has been posting videos of his gifted feathered friend online since April, but the duo's YouTube channel received a nice traffic boost when former basketball star Rex Chapman shared their fabulous version of Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven with his 1.1 million Twitter followers on January 18th, leading to the clip receiving more than 3 million views. We're not saying that this is the musical highlight of 2021 to date, obviously, but we're not not saying that this is the musical highlight of 2021 to date either. And I got about a one-minute clip that I'm going to pull up right now. And it takes a while to get going. The guy's going to be playing the intro, and then the bird's just going to take over, and you're going to love it. I can't wait. Well, you shall wait no more.
That makes me so happy. Now that's s- how you spend the quarantine by teaching <laughs> your parent to sing Stairway yeah, to Heaven. That makes me so happy, but so mad. I can't get my dog to sit. No, man, that's got his parrot. That's that parent singing, singing with sass, too. Dude. Like attitude. Sorry, like he was commanding. He was commanding that stage. Oh, and he's God, like, he's on, so you know, he's good, in his birdcage, so they got those little platforms, yeah. and he's just strutting back and forth, <laughs> like, awesome, like dude. he's fucking Mick Jagger and just belting out these tunes. Oh, Tico. Oh, man. Tico's the shit. All right. So that is going to take us to our Mount Rushmore. Like I mentioned in the open. Uh, oh, I did forget. I have a follow-up to the Rocket Man story. So if you remember a few episodes back, we were fascinated by this story. Oh, that totally. a guy had a rocket pack on his back and he was flying around LAX. Yeah, it was the best story we've probably reported on. Turns out... <laughs> It was a dud. It was a total dud. (laughs) So this comes from the drive.com and the headline reads, airliner pilot says jetpack guy over Los Angeles looked just like a crazy drone. So the picture, and I'll link, uh, I'll link this on our Instagram and our Twitter. So basically what this guy did is he just strapped up a full on dummy with a helmet and army fatigue, like camo green suit. And he's strapped to a drone. So when you look at it, it looks very legit. It looks legit. Even like up close to the picture you saw, it looks like the f- a filled out body of a person. And the fatigues to me made me think like, oh, this must be like some army training or something, you know? Like, Or it's a guy who got out of the Air Force and is tinkering with his own stuff now. So it gave it like a air of a believability when I saw that, when I saw those fatigues. But if you look closely, you can tell like his hands are a little rounded too perfectly. Like they're like blown in with air and... Yeah, so so disheartening because when you told me there's a follow up, I was like, "Fuck yeah, where is he now? Like flying over Seattle or something?" But you know, so there's a guy. A, I don't know if you've ever seen him. There's a guy here in town, and he's got one of those. It's like a homemade like little flying craft. It looks like he's got one of those big fans, like shop fans, strapped to a chair, and he's got like wheels underneath him, and he's got like it looks like a hang glider, like canopy, and he's fly, just flying around Waxahachie. Oh, you know what? I think I did like, see him one time. Yeah, and then he got stuck on top of Home Depot. <laughs> like he crashed. Like me and me and uh, Lauren and Landry were out, and we saw him, and uh, we're like, "Oh, cool! Look at that!" And then we get we do whatever we're doing. We get home, and Lauren's on Facebook. And she's like, "You know that guy we saw flying around?" I was like, "Yeah," and she showed me the Facebook post, and there was like fire trucks with like ladders on, t- <laughs> like he had crashed up there. <laughs> And then uh, a couple weeks later, I'm walking out of Target, and he flies right over my head. And so I take a picture, and I was like, I send it to Lauren. I was like, this dumbass is back, back again. Back at it again. So yeah, just zooming around right there. by 287 and 77 right there. Just sounds flying like, around. Sounds like a transplant from Florida, like moving to Waxahachie. Dude, I'm like, all right, dude. You got up in the air. Take your win and go home, because you've already crashed this thing once. Well, and if you want to fly it, and you know, like, 
I don't know if that's legal. Like, I don't know if you need clearance. Yeah, I don't know. Fly it like in fucking Maypearl or something, you know, over a big field. I would like, that's where you're talking about. It's the most heavily trafficked area in Waxahachie. So I could see cops being like, you know, don't do it here because if you land on 77 or you land in a parking lot, like you might get hit or cause an accident or crush somebody. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not being my grumpy old man right now. I'm just saying, if you're going to do it, go out to a fucking field or fly around a, you know, an open yeah, area, totally not where there's a thousand cars every day going up and down a road. But like, I, I'm sure it's more sophisticated than this, but it looks like one of those big round shot fans that you'd see in like a gym or something Yeah, with like a chair. That was classic it. gym fan yeah. growing yeah. up. You had one of those on each corner yeah. and just blowing hot, hot air on you. Yeah. So yep. and he's got like a, a little canopy over him. Probably zip ties holding it all together. And that's it. I'm like, dude, if you want to, I'm just not risking my, like, you got up in the air. That's good. Like, <laughs> shut it down. You've already crashed shut on Home Depot. Down. Yeah. Uh, take your winnings and go home. Anyway. So, now we can move on to our Mount Rushmore, which is our top Denzel Washington movies. And I think this is just going to turn into a full-blown Denzel suck fest. Because all of his movies are pretty much... They, he doesn't miss often. No. Not unless you saw, like, and I haven't, so I can't tell for sure, but maybe, like, his early, early work before he became fucking, you know, Denzel. Denzel. Yeah. You know, maybe it was, like, but knowing what he would become, you would, like, still appreciate it because yeah. this guy's a fucking legend. And I have one of his early movies on here. A couple, actually. Yeah? So, I got, yeah. I got, I seriously wrote down, like, 12, and then yeah. I had to pick, like, because I picked four, obviously, and then only four more, but... And we're, we'll talk about one coming out that's probably going to make this list if we mm-hmm. redid the list later on. So, yep. all right, uh, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll okay. do. I'll just do an obvious one. Uh, we don't go back and forth. Yeah, I think we'll both have this one. Is remember the Titans? Yeah, of course. It's about football. It's bringing communities together. It's a tearjerker. Well, and when it came out, I wasn't mature enough to really. Understood. appreciate the message yeah and if you put yourself back like what he tried to do like that was unheard of and what you're talking about the coach like integrating yeah, the players bringing, like that bringing in in the south bringing white and black together and well, yeah, i think yeah. I, I really missed the point or you know but watching as an adult like it's such a great film and that's a, that was one of those movies where like if you had a like a football coach for a for a teacher in high school, oh, and it was Friday it was night. Game. Yeah, they would wheel that in and say, "All right, no, no class today," because coach is going to work on his game plan or something. Yeah. He's like, "Y'all going to watch? Remember the Titans?" Cool. I probably saw that ten times when I was in high school. That and Sandlot. Yeah, and I was never upset no. with those two choices. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give mine, which I'm sure you have. Uh, training day. Yep, that was that, that was the two be, that I told you we're gonna yeah, have to have together, yeah. or else that we weren't gonna be, be friends. My 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 favorite. Role of I really, I think it was too, because I was really thinking about it. And there's a couple others where I was like, "Well, I like this movie," but Training Day is where he won the Oscar for. Yeah. And it's one of those movies where he's just so fucking badass in it that you could just rewatch it at any point. So without a doubt, I would have to say that's my favorite. And then everything else is competing for second. There's just a couple lines in that movie, like where he gets shot in the ass. He's like, "You motherfucker, <laughs> you motherfucker." And then obviously like the famous like King Kong and I'm got, King Kong motherfucker King Kong and got shit on me yeah it's just it's great Ethan Hawke is great in it it was yep. Ethan Hawke right yeah yep. yeah uh, I get my Snoop Dogg and Dr Dre mm-hmm. both in it yeah yeah uh, 
So you, uh, I'll let you go with your second one. All right, since the top two are, are out, mm-hmm. I was going to go with an older one. Um, this came out actually before, like, Remember the Titans, all that. It was, like, 98, and it was The Siege. Mm. Where I think he was... It's been a minute. Yeah, he was either, like, the FBI or the DEA, but it's about, like, at the beginning of the movie, there was, like, a terrorist explosion, like, in New York City mm-hmm. or some major city. And this was before 9-11, because this was, like, not 98, but, you know, the antagonists of the movie were, like, Muslim extremists cells and this is where you learn about or i didn't know about at the time but later on you realize like that's how they work where like those lone wolf like splinter cells where they're you know you cut the head off and another one pops up so that's what it was about and they they sieged the city and there was all these like splinter cells and you didn't know like where the attack was going to be or you know who was going to hit hit next but um it's just like a really good like thriller um counter-terrorist movie that really came out before the age of terror that you know we all kind of lived in for a while yep uh, I want to say I've seen it. I'm gonna have to go back and yeah, it's re- it's worthy and, of a rewatch. And Google it. Um, so my I guess I had Training Day and Remember the Titans. Uh, my third one was Man on Fire. Yeah, just another one where he's playing a badass and that that was when too when he was started knocking out all these like movies after training that's when he really started getting all these offers like deja vu that's when the steam man like, on fire he yeah he was steam. he was officially like he was already like a leading man but i think for a while he was like the number one actor in hollywood yeah and he started knocking all these movies out and sometimes when people do that like they get really big and popular and they just start making movies because now they can make movies but denzel i feel like was always really picky and wanted to make good movies so that's you know respect we're on a first name basis denzel <laughs> i'm just gonna call him denzel from now on right. just denzel uh, what else you got my last one is the manchurian candidate and that one's a good one it's actually a remake from like sometime in the 60s but he's a, a book too or, yeah maybe yeah. it was a it was a book and then a movie but in this one he's uh it takes place in the um well initially it took place during the gulf war mm-hmm. where he was like a, a general or something mm-hmm. and they remember this attack and during this attack this guy came out the hero, this Lee Lee Shriver's character, who was like a politician's son. And, you know, they don't remember anything after the attack. They just remember being ambushed and then waking up and Lee Shriver's character was the hero. And then, and then you start to, and then he starts to like remember things differently or, you know, he starts having like these weird flashbacks about like being experimented on. And, you know, it kind of turns out that Lee Shriver, they brainwashed the whole unit and Lee Shriver's mom was like behind it with him and then they just killed some of them and then they brainwashed him to think that this guy was the hero and that's how it went down and it was all for political gain because they wanted him to be president you know they wanted a war hero son and the only way they could do that was basically by murdering his unit and then convincing the rest that you know hey this guy saved you he's the real hero you know you gotta so it's one of those movies where like you rewatch it I watched it you know when it first came out and I really liked it but then you rewatch it and you're like damn some maniacal like shady stuff that it's just really interesting the concept to, to write that book you know like what a good idea no it's it's really good uh and it I, like i said i wrote down my four and then i wrote down like seven more mm-hmm. and i could have wrote down seven more after that that didn't make it um my last one is american gangster yeah he played frank lucas and he was just he was really good he was a badass in that movie he was just really good um, and then some of the other ones, uh, yeah, you got honorable about. mention, knock yours out. I've got a ton. Equalizer. <laughs> I got Equalizer one and two. Do you one know that was two is the only sequel he ever made? Really? I remember they made, he made a big deal of it because he said he never wanted to make a sequel, but he really liked Equalizer and he agreed to make Equalizer two. Equalizer is really good. It really, yeah, that's a totally rewatch. All of these movies are rewatchable, but I like 
That yeah. Anyways, keep well, you, going. I'm, I'm sure I've, we've got the same Inside Man. Yeah, that's Inside right here. Inside Man is really really good. Uh, one going back to movies we watched in school, Glory. He was in Glory, and See, that was and I super early on. Yeah, and that's I've regrettably have never seen that. Glory I've always wanted came to. Came out in '89. He'd only had like six or seven. That was a big break for him. Yeah, that was one of the big breaks. Yeah. Um, I, I I would have put that because I know it's supposed to be like a classic fucking movie and it's, and it's won all these of, awards. It's got a bunch of stars in it. Yeah, and Matthew yeah. Broderick's mm-hmm. in it, and I think uh, is it Danny Glover? Danny Glover or in Donald it? Glover, no, whichever one's Danny. not. Yeah, which, <laughs> obviously not Childish Gambino's in yeah. that movie. Childish. Yeah, I need to watch. I really, I really need to watch that. That's I, I didn't put it on this list because of that. Um, Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even put Malcolm X. He was Malcolm X. Malcolm X. Um, the he was, and honestly, wasn't he like the only guy at the time that could have played that role? Mm-hmm. Like he was perfect yeah. for that role. Yeah. I couldn't think of anyone else <clears throat> at that time. Like now, maybe you could come up with one, but that he was perfect yeah. for that. Um, Pelican Brief, John Q, The Book of Eli, Antoine Fisher, um, The Bone Collector, The Hurricane. You got still a few haven't you haven't named for me yet? Let me see if I can go all the way. You got any more? Nope. Did you just say he got game? No, I didn't. He got game, yeah. man. What's his name? Uh, Jesus, Jesus Shuttleworth. Yeah. Um, Crimson Tide. Yeah. That was a good submarine movie. I used to watch out with my grandfather because he was in the Korean War and in a submarine. And then uh, the remake of The Magnificent Seven. Yep. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. I like that. De- uh, he was in Courage Under Fire, Devil, uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. I never saw Devil in a Blue um, Dress. Let's see. Fences. He directed and produced it. Uh, it was really, uh, really, really good. So this was an easy one for us to just kind of get back yeah. into the flow. Cause the only difficult part was like narrowing down like narrowing. four movies. That's oh, and I, the hurricane. Did you say the hurricane? Yeah, I said the hurricane. Okay, yeah. classic, classic. And then, it, I mean, anything he does nowadays. Denzel, if you want to be on, let us know. Let us know. <laughs> it would be an honor and a privilege. There was one on here that I didn't see. And I didn't even, I've never even heard about it. It was Roman J. Israel, Esquire. That's where he plays, Yeah, he it was like uh, a, he based on a true story, right? Yeah. Is he a writer or a lawyer? A lawyer. A lawyer. Yeah, cuz I remember cuz he has like a little yeah. fro perm and glasses yeah. and it's yeah. supposed to be based on a true story it and is. I guess this guy like took on something big and He also he he produced it. He was also a producer on it. I know um, what you're talking about. I didn't see it, but I remember I read that the plot and I was like, "Ooh, I got to put that on the it's list." It's like a, it's like a probably deep and like it's one of those ones where he like probably really got into character for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um with that, you want to move on to pick your poison? Yeah, you want to draw no, one? No, you draw one. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to draw. Here we go. I got it. All right. This one it? says... That's a long one. Oh, no. <laughs> Would you rather live without hot water for showers and baths or live without a washing machine? That's uh, a fucking no-brainer. Hot water. You'd rather live without hot water? Yeah. Sh- you're not going to take a hot bath or shower the rest of your life at home? I'd rather have clean clothes. There's a fucking laundry mat a mile down the road. Mm, have you have you lived without a washing machine? Have you taken cold showers your whole yeah, life? Not my whole life, but I've taken. <laughs> well, that's how I'll it's gonna be to now. It. No, I'll way, get dude. used to it. No, Wait. I'm not taking my you, shit. You're not gonna get used to that. Hanging out with the no offense if anybody <laughs> hangs out at the laundromat, but usually they're not the cream of society. Hey, you, know, you know who else has a laundry machine that. My sister, my mom, my mother-in-law. I don't want to see those people. I'll just drop it off. You know how? Slide them a 20. Shit, no. 
No. So you, Lauren and Landry, you're going to sacrifice your family's warm, comforting baths. After a rainy day, you come in, your feet are cold. It's like Captain Phil. I'm the captain now. They do what I... S- no, I'm just going to love you. Uh, yeah, I just want clean no clothes. No way, man. You pick clean clothes over a warm, like... Shower or bath? That's fucking In the crazy. summer, I can hey, get you're out. You're just saying that because you're the stinky kid. You in, don't even take baths and showers. In the, in the summer, I can get out back and hose off. The water's <laughs> kind of warm. Yeah, you're just helping my point out of you being the stinky kid. I'm not the stinky kid. <laughs> Water hose in the backyard. I'll fill up a pool, light Dude, a fire, I, I get a metal tub. I could not be more adamantly against that. Because I'll, you know what I do? I wear a shirt and I'll hang it back up. Because unless I got shit on it. Like, unless so, I poop oh, my pants or oh, I got smudge on me. So how old are those underwear you're wearing? Old enough to be brought up in conversation. Yeah. Like, See, working on two And days. I'm the stinky kid. You don't even... Yeah, but I'm not blowing holes in them. It doesn't make sense to take a shower and put dirty clothes on. It's a dirty... They're dirty, <laughs> but they're not stinky. <laughs> they have been worn. It makes no sense. Like, I'm not going to go home, take a shower, and then put these clothes right Oh, there. man. I, I have worn the same outfit to work a couple days in a row before. Okay. I'm not saying I've never done that, but I don't know. I just like having a... Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You are wrong. That's what makes these pick your poisons so difficult that one now for because, me was a no Because we don't have time to sit there and stew on it for two days. Yeah. After I, make... I like the format of just just answering real quick because to me it, i well i should also state that me and claire are the biggest procrastinators when it comes to laundry oh like if too. you saw our laundry pile it's literally like a foot from the ceiling it's like a leaning tower yeah. of laundry yeah ours is too so yeah. i will put that makes off me feel do, good. oh i'll put off doing laundry we usually do it on like monday because we're off on monday and we, we don't really do much so it's like okay we're gonna do like three loads of laundry today well that makes me feel good i'm not the only we're not no. the only one like that uh, we're norm- know, we're in- normal for doing that. I'm used to cold showers. Do you ever play high school sports? The heater, the hot water never worked. You always took a cold shower. Yeah, but you were extremely quick about it. Yeah, I, I would never save take on the water bill. Yeah, I would never. Yeah, you would save on your water bill. I would never take more than like a sixty second shower when I was in playing in sports because yeah, it's cold water. No, and there's a lot of weird kids. There's a lot of. Dick slapping and butt jousting. Stuff, and butt stuff happening. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what high school y'all went to, but that happened in our high school. <laughs> you weren't you weren't allowed on the team unless you slapped masses in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, you were the weird kid if you weren't doing that. And you'd always have the weird kids that would like, for one, not shower and just load down Axe body spray. Oh, there were people that would shower and still load down on Axe body spray. Because that's when it first came out and everybody wanted it. I think there was another one called like... Bod, bod. I was gonna say hot bod or something. Bod. Bod. And it was shaped like a, a body. body, and it had the. It was God, stunk so. Dude, it, was it had a, spray a trigger. Got <laughs> <laughs> a damn trigger down, on and it. then we'd have to like walk into lunch, and you're like you smell like a fucking and Italian then, nightclub. Or uh, okay, those those kids are the bottom rung. Yeah. But then you'd have the kids that would shower and like. Did y'all have any that had put swim trunks? They would shower in swim so. trunks. Yeah. Soccer kids that had a was couple weird. kids. Swim trunks or underwear? I mean, it's not like I'm rocking a python, but it's like, I'm not going to stare at your junk. Don't stare at my junk. What do I care? I'm just uh, here to get clean. I don't want to stay. I was halfway on just going to the locker room. Yeah, so I'm saying. Like, it doesn't bother me because I'm not going to mess with you. I'm not going to be fondling you. Hey, you want to... <laughs> don't say fondle. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture like two hands rub- yeah, gently rubbing. You know what I mean, though. But it's like, I mean, it's going to happen. Just, just, just take a shower. Don't be the weird kid. 
Well, apparently I'm the smelly kid in this podcast. Uh, and with well, that, my skin smells good, but your clothes smell very fresh. <laughs> so together, I'll just I'll just borrow some shirts from you. Yeah, all right, I got you. Maybe a little size too big or so, but I got you. Um, so we don't have a movie review uh, for this episode because we only had a month and a half to do it, and <laughs> there just wasn't enough time. Clearly, not enough time to watch a movie. <laughs> um, but we are going to go back to our format where we're going to draw a movie, and we might as well do that now. Here, you do it. I'm going to draw a movie. I got one in mind that I want to draw. I hope you don't get it then. Uh, I hope why it's are you one so of mine. mean? I want to watch one of mine. You're so mean today. Uh, it's mine. Is it Jerry Maguire again? Silence of the Lambs. Uh, okay. That, that's very rewatchable. Okay. So, next episode will be Silence of the Lambs. We just see that new show, yeah, too. Yeah, Clarice. That actually looks yeah, pretty looks decent. Yeah, looks good. I'll, let, I'll let my mom tell me how it is, because I guarantee you my She's mom will watch that. it. Yeah, and I'll both go to her house and watch a couple episodes. Um, so, Silence of the Lambs will be up next if anybody wants to watch with us. and uh, and, and Probably have to go to Game Exchange to get a copy. Yeah, I'm sure you can find it streaming somewhere. Um, but, let's talk about some movies or shows that we're looking forward to. I know one for sure. It checked off <laughs> yeah. all of our boxes, or you know, it ticked a box for each of us. For me, it's got it's uh, the little things. It comes out the 29th. 29th. So what this Friday? Yeah. Or is it Friday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's got Rami Malek, who's probably he starred in my favorite TV show of all time, Mr. Robot. It's got the aforementioned Denzel. Sir and Denzel. It's got Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Three Academy Award winners, yeah. which is impressive, you know, just that. It's going to be very good, and it's got the serial killer element. <clears throat> it's it's got... probably going to be so many twists, and you know, because by watching the preview, you're like, oh, okay, well, Jared Leto's a fucking killer. Let's just figure out how he did it. But no, then, but it's so. not going to be that simple, obviously, so it's going to be like a twisty turny, like, you know, I know it's, and then I guarantee we're going to have to watch it twice. Yeah. Because you're going to have to watch it the first time with just like an open mind, and just, and then the second time. You'll be like, okay, now I can take notes because now I know what this scene means or what he meant by that. So you got HBO, right, Max? Hell yeah! So living the good life. We're gonna take a, we're gonna take a podcast field trip. We're gonna go see it in the theater, and, and we're then, gonna bowl too. Oh, we're gonna bowl. We're gonna get our bowl on. All right. Hey, I had three strikes in a row. You got a turkey. I got a turkey, and then the next game, I bowled like an 84. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm like, I am so hot going into this next game. And then Claire smoked me by like 40 points. It's always the second half of the second game because I, I don't work out. I mean, I'm a mild and lazy guy. Right. Uh, I get noodle arm like halfway through that second oh, I did. frame. And what happened like, to me, I think just... it was my my thumb from like, cop. I don't know, like the way I was holding it. Like I was telling like she thought I was making all these clues. Like now nah, my thumb really hurts. It's like, yeah, I hurt on that gutter ball. I bet. <laughs> like, yeah, it did actually. Uh, but, but yeah, halfway through that second one, I just get noodle arm. I just, yeah, I, I got to go down to like an eight pound and just like chuck it down there. Oh yeah. I wish I need to learn. We need to go, just go and waste some money and figure out how to put that spin on it. Uh, I do it. The ghetto saw. I just, I take these two fingers and I don't put my thumb in and I just kind of like palm, <laughs> palm the ball I just kind of like, I don't know, just chuck it down there and with the little spin on the little English on it. try to throw it as hard as I possibly yeah. can. Yeah. That's my only, like, method. That's all, all right, I got. All we'll bowl. And I got a full bar right there by the bowling yeah. alley. I got a full bar. Full bar, full menu. Uh, have you been in? You've mm-hmm. been in, right? Yeah. The games are pretty sweet, too. Yeah. Like, you can tell they spent money on games, so. Yeah, it's just every bit as good I'm as, like, a Dave & Buster's I, yeah. or a 
I, I mentioned it to the fantasy group. Like, probably thought I was kidding, but I might have my next birthday party there. Let's do it. <laughs> like, just get our wives to drop us off. Yeah. We get drunk in the parking lot, go inside and play, and then go home. Let's do it. Um, but yeah, we'll take a, a show field trip, go see it, and then probably come back here and watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's on. It's either, I think they hold it for 31 days, so we'd have plenty, as long as we see it in theaters reasonably, yeah. we'd have plenty of time to rewatch it. Yeah, so, um, that really is the only one I'm looking for. No, 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 no. <laughs> You made a whole bit out of it. Uh, There's that, uh, G- uh, Judas and the Black Messiah yeah, is going to come out on, um, It'll be in theaters, obviously, and then it'll be on HBO Max as well. And then there's that looks one, really good. it may be out by now, with Liam Neeson, where he... He's like a coyote. Yeah, or he helps that... that He's no Elden kid. No, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> Fucking legend. We'll talk about that, and what are we listening to? But, uh, no, that one, those three, I'm really looking forward to. Um, and with my new well, schedule, it's going to be kind of easier to catch movies, because I'm not working weekends, and... Oh, I hate going to the movies on the weekends, though. You do that? Mm, early or late. I'll go, like, at a Tuesday at, like, 9 a.m. I hate going on the... I, I just don't like being in, crowded with people. I don't like people, mainly, I guess, is my yeah, problem. We've established but, this. Yeah, but being around a group of people, I'm just, like, rolling eyes, like, why can't they all just go home <laughs> and let me watch this. this movie by myself? Um, no, there's good movies because there's the... I'm, I'm not sure the release dates because... And they were Warner Brothers, which made the deal with HBO. But these are the ones that bucked at it was um, New Matrix. So Matrix yep. 4. Mm-hmm. And then The Dune with uh, yep. Dennis Valerio, or however you say his name, Valeri, which looks fucking amazing. Like, those two movies are coming out. And then um, Kong versus Zilla. I was going Zilla like we're cool like that. Godzilla versus King Kong. Um, I'll probably see that with my little sister, though. We've seen – she's it's like a connection we have with all these King Kong, Godzilla movies. Hey. Which Something. I'm not complaining. Yeah, those are good movies. Anything but, else? Uh, not off the top of my head. I know we talked about Clarice, and that that show actually does look pretty good. Yeah, especially for it's hard to get into shows though, or it's hard for me to really like shows that are on like the major networks. So, like yeah, I guess I'm same same bougie way. again. Like no. I said, it has to be like you know like something that like on HBO or AMC or Netflix. You yeah, know, no, I'm the same way. There's, I just I just can't get into a I good scripted show. I just hope it's show. not like a procedural where it's like uh, like a killer of the week type deal. Like I hope there is. They stay on one case. Uh, yeah, I hope it's like you have some character development and you know a, a long plot. I just hope it's not a procedural like CSI or. Oh, that would be terrible. Criminal Minds where it's a new case every week and it's same you know kind of deal, same formula. No, I would rather it be almost identical to. The movie, the science of like not identical, but follow that same script. Yeah, to where it's like we got we got Hannibal, but we also got Buffalo Bill going. You know, and I don't want to hear about Psycho Steve off in wherever. Yeah, you know, I wanted to follow basically the book by the Tom <clears throat> Harris book in the movie. I hope there's some kind of tie-in where it, I mean it's just not. I already saw. I'm pretty sure I saw a clip of like a Buffalo Bill. Yeah, so did I. I think you're right. Um, but uh. What was I going to say? It just left me. Damn, getting old. Um, any other movies or TV shows? Nah, there'll, there'll be more that comes out, but it's so early in the year right now. Like, And you know, you really don't see previews hardly anymore. Like, That's something that stopped late last year. Obviously, for obvious reasons, when theaters shut down. But now that they're open, I still barely see any yeah. good movie previews. I've awesome. been seeing a lot of the little things. I th- They're really pushing that hard, which makes me think they either it's really good... Or they're just thinking with this star power that it'll draw people, but I'm already 
I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, you sent it to me, and I was I watched the preview. I was like, yeah, no, no shit. I'm I'm gonna go see that. And then I saw. Did you write down Mindhunter? Yeah, I did. Uh, for, for this, show, I would like to see that a third season, even though they won't do it for this show, uh, or styled after this killer, which I'll get to. For... Oh, okay. Oh, that's what you're okay. <laughs> that was... I I hate to burst your bowl. I don't think it's coming back anytime I soon. I know we talked about that. Mindhunter is such a good show. It man. was fucking amazing. It was like one of the best shows that Netflix originals put out. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, what? What did David Fincher just say? Like it was too time consuming or too yeah. much? Yeah. That movie, that show had like such a good following. I bet too. Like, and if you don't know, Mindhunter was um, basically the founding story of how the FBI created their like profiling profiling uh serial killer profiling and it actually had a good origin story too with with the development of it but then it also would dive into like the mind of a serial killer and the whole time they were in both seasons were preluding to BTK yep you know it showed him what was he like in Kansas Kansas and yeah. they never said his name exclusively but if you're weirdos like us you're like you that's know. Fucking, that's BTK you know it's BTK yeah he's doing all that yeah. so like they were building up to that and the way they went like 70s and then they were in the late 70s early 80s with um, the Atlantis Atlanta murder. murders yeah. and then I was like so they're following a timeline and that's why I thought I'll talk about later but we watched that show Night Stalker mm-hmm. which took place in 85 yep. and I was like it would have just followed up perfectly they could have done a season in um in LA in 1985 with him and then you know maybe or they could have done the Hillside Strangler before that then they could have done the Green River Killer into the nine into the 90s and it just had so much promise because I like how they always foreshadowed letting you know it's coming and then we just get back to their story and, you know, tied everything nicely did together. Did you hear, speaking of Green River Killer, did you hear where they uh, they identified one of his victims through DNA? Mm-hmm. Like last week? They're still? Mm-hmm. She's a poor girl. Like yep. 30-something years yep. ago. Yep. So that was crazy. You want to get into some sports? I'll talk some sports. All right. So, oh, talking game or just... No, let's I, talk. I, we have a Super Bowl matchup. You want to just focus on that? Well, we can start there. Okay, I got. I'll take the Chiefs. Okay, well, you're probably right. I hope so because I bet twenty dollars on it today. <laughs> the guy at work. You're probably right. I'll be taking more bets. Um, I already lost money this past weekend though. I lost both my bets. Damn, I was son. betting with my heart. I really thought Green Bay would win though. And when Tom Brady threw three interceptions out of his seven attempts, and they couldn't cash in even a field goal for that. It was fucking over. Well, I can't believe Matt LaFleur didn't put the ball in the hands of a future Hall of Famer on his on his own eight. Yeah. So we're talking about on, presumably on the, the MVP, home field advantage, chance for the Super Bowl, eight yard line, and he's gonna kick a fucking field goal. And you're not giving the ball back to Alex Smith. You're not giving the ball back to Dak Pratt. You're giving the ball back to the GOAT. You're giving it back to Tom Brady. They never saw the ball. Did they see the ball again? I don't think they did. I don't, I don't think they did. I don't think they did. If they did, it wasn't relevant because they never got even close to that opportunity again. And I'm sure he got killed this week in Green Bay. As he should. But Arian, I heard a uh, press conference, uh, not a press conference, but an interview with Bruce Arians. He said he probably would have done the same thing. I don't no, know if wouldn't. that's like, you know, taking up for the fraternity, you know, taking up for a... Yeah, because I, I think you might be right because you wouldn't say, what an idiot, I would never do that. You have to say, well, you know, there was pros and cons but I could see why he'd make that call and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I don't think you would just drop the hammer and be like, only a fucking idiot would do that. Yeah. So I think, I think you're right. I think it's like a brotherhood because everyone else, like I even commented, he was like, man, I'm just going to armchair coach this. Like, that was a terrible fucking call. <clears throat> you know, you can make that call in week three, but you can't make it with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Like, I, if, if that was... 
our team that made that call, I would be screaming at the Con- television. And that, that considering that over the last couple of weeks we've seen coaches put their nuts on the table with some calls, including that game. Because if you remember right before the half, they were it was fourth and one, or it maybe it may not have been fourth. It was like fourth and eight maybe, and they sent the punt team out. Tampa Bay did called a timeout. Tom Brady and the offense came back on the field, and that's when he hit that long strike right at the end of the first half. Yeah, but see, for me, that wasn't quite as ballsy just because he had nothing to lose because they shouldn't have even had the ball at that at that point. That was a pass interference where they held that receiver. You could see the shoulder pad come. To, you could see his padding, pulled him down, and caught the ball. But how many times bad did that no happen? Call. It was a bad no call, but you can't what if that to death. The, that oh, call, yeah, because what if they said Dez caught it? Oh God! Don't, don't. I'll bring it up, dog. <laughs> don't. I just think that the nice. I know I said they should make it reviewable. They should make it like you only say a team only gets three of those a year or something. But if that's the chance, the chance for the Super Bowl, and that ended up being a huge play because they ended up winning by six. That was a seven point swing. I agree. Minimum a seven point I agree, swing. But But the problem with that rule is is that it comes down to the refs' egos. That's why that rule failed, because these refs, they're not going to admit that they're never going to admit they're wrong. That's why somebody brought it up the other day, and I totally agree. They should have a press conference yeah, that, that at should the be... end of every game so they can be called out on the carpet and they have to explain why they made calls. And they should let fans call in and ask questions. <laughs> like, like a radio show. Like a Zoom call with a fan. Except I'm down with be that. A, just a bunch of MFs and no, but they do need to be held account. There's got to be some accountability. Yeah, there's, exactly. There's no they they really have the power to make calls that'll influence a game, and then they don't get they don't have to answer for it. Yeah, and we're you know, and I know they have like a really fucking tough job. I I, I couldn't do it. You know, it's so bang bang. But I just I don't know, man. I wish there could be some accountability because, and I I'm not a bit I'm not a Packers fan. I'm not a uh, Bucks fan, obviously. But when I saw that jersey get pulled. You could see the padding, which led to an interception, which led to a touchdown, which led to a victory by less than seven points. 
I mean, you kind of think like, well, that was a big play. That was a game. And then that was right before half, so they got all the momentum going into half. I don't remember who got the second half kickoff, but if it was Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay scored in some way, I mean, that was a huge swing of momentum and points. But, you know, you said it earlier. Tom Brady threw three picks, yeah. and they didn't do anything with yeah. it. Yeah, and I really they I, had their opportunities. That's what I put. That's how I finished my notes for the game. I said Tom Brady had three interceptions and seven attempts, but Rodgers and the Packers offense couldn't take advantage, and that's what cost them the game. Not the shitty refs and the non calls. And the, they had three chances in the second half, like in almost. I don't think it was consecutive drives, but it sure seemed like it. Of of uh, Tampa Bay possessions where they turned the ball over, and I, all they had to go do is score one time because I'm pretty sure wasn't it 31. 26. 26. So it was a five-point game. So all they had to do was go down and score on one of those possessions. So as bad as that call was and as pissed as off as I was, they had opportunity to absolutely win that game, and they just couldn't take it. And you've got to give credit to the Bucks defense. Yeah, I mean, Bucks got, defense is you've legit. And Damakon Sue, who's quietly had a great JPP. year. JPP. Devin, Devin oh, seven, White. Oh, seven-finger JPP. <laughs> and seven then uh, Vita Vea. Vita Vea, Winfield Jr., who was out, but still he would be – our best uh, DB, yeah. hands down. Mm-hmm. And Devin White, who he, he can cover. I was telling this to Alex, I think. I was like, you know, with Kelsey in that Super Bowl matchup, I think Devin White is probably one of the only linebackers in the league that can legitimately cover He's a bad man. De- uh, uh, Travis Kelsey. So that's going to be a good matchup. He's a bad man. So, yeah. And I, I saw a bunch of people online saying Brady didn't win it. He got carried. I mean, stop. I mean. He made big throws. He, he made did. big throws. He but played well. But that defense, I – because, like I said, I'm not a Bucks fan, so I just assumed, oh, well, they got, you know, the Evans and Godwin, and they got good weapons. But that defense, they really did a good job building. Like, I would love for that for us to at least have that core of young pieces. And then, you know, I think Mike Evans is already a borderline Hall of Famer. He's had seven seven seasons to start his career of 1,000 yards. He's the only player to ever to do that. And he's going to have two or three with Tom Brady, which is it's going to bolster his. Isn't that crazy? Brady could play probably another two, two, three more years. Yeah. Because he's in pretty great, high level. He's in great shape, man. Oh, he is. He's in great yeah. shape. He and I have to admit, I was wrong on his arm. Like that, especially that throw to end the set first half. That was a forty or fifty yard ball. Uh, yeah, he can. He can on, still on a, on a get on a, a couple dime. out of those every game. Um, and then Kansas City does Kansas City things. Tyreek Hill is probably the most dangerous weapon oh. in the NFL. Got to be the fastest domestic abuser in the world. Fastest wife beater in the world. Fastest wife beater in the world, hands hey, down. He can play ball, so it doesn't matter. Hey, he um, hit hard, but he run fast. <laughs> so that's okay. Nah, he's... Apparently. Just that whole... It seems like they can turn it off and turn it on like whenever they want. Yeah, I know what you mean with Hill, though, because there's times where he looks like he's bottled up, and then he just puts his foot in the ground and finds a corner of light that way. Mm-hmm. And then and he'll run everywhere. He'll literally run 100 yards to gain 60 because and, he'll cross fields yeah. like that where everyone else is getting gassed. You know, and then we don't mention Miko Hardeman or um, uh, who's the other? Uh, they have Watson Sammy was Wa- out. They have Sammy Watkins. Kelsey, though, is probably – the fourth fastest person on that team, it seems like. And he had, he, what he had, Jeez. he had like eight for one twenty or it was one. And then he, did he have both touchdowns? Two yeah, touchdowns? Two, two touchdowns. Dude, I told, he's going in the first round of our fantasy draft. He has to go in the first round. Probably. I don't see how you could let him go. Cause he, he's he, going to get Gronk treatment for a couple of years. Ow. He's going to surpass Gronk in the conversation because he's faster than Gronk. He's not as strong as Gronk, but he's going to have, a, I think, a better combo of uh what's it called just that connection with Mahomes yeah because they're gonna grow they're gonna play their careers together man mm-hmm. like Gronk and Brady were an 
obviously a Hall of Fame combination, but I would put my money on Kelsey and Mahomes doing bigger and better things than those two. And that's saying a lot because yeah, Gronk was you know considered the greatest of all time, at least for a while because of what he could do on the field and the. I mean, he can do a back shoulder fade as good as Dez could in his prime. Yeah, for sure. And that's special. For sure. Kelsey's just a freak athlete, though, and he's fast, and I wouldn't want to try to stop him. He's big, fucking strong, dude. No. I love the matchup, though. I really do. I think it's going to be a fan-fucking-tastic Super Bowl. There's tons of stories all the way around. Oh, that's why I sent that meme of uh, Randy Marsh just covered in cum, and that was the NFL marketing (laughs) just when they got Mahomes-Brady because they can – because, you know, think if – and I wanted the – the Bills to go, but think about if Josh, if they were having to market Josh Allen all week, mm-hmm. you know they wanted Mahomes. Yeah. And, and Rodgers would have been a good market, but they would love to have Tom Brady against well, Mahomes. And that you, is what they fucking want. You've kind of got the old guard, you know, he's on his oh, last 100%. couple of hurrahs. Yeah. And then you've got the new generation that's going to fill those shoes. Yep. Um, that's exactly how I see it. That's why I see like, Mahomes beating him and just. And I think Tampa Bay does have the defense with that front the linebackers and the secondary to and, be able to hang with that Chiefs offense. Speaking of uh, their defensive front, that would go up against Kansas City. Kansas City lost Eric Fisher. He blew out his Achilles. He did. So he's 100% out of this game. He's yep. going to miss part of next year. And that was a former number one overall pick. I mm-hmm. mean, I know he never lived up quite to that height, but he's still on the team and starting for him. He, so. he was a big He was a big part of what, yeah. what they did. And, so but I love that? Andy Reid. Uh, I love the big Andy old Reed wal- too. Wal- walrus mother. You know, I I just love him. He, oh, he's, he eats I, triple cheeseburgers and big. You know, don't 40 you just want to give him a big old hug? I want him to be my grandpa. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, you reach in there and there's like a T bone in his pocket instead of like a Werther's or something. <laughs> he's got the shield. He's all fogged up all he's the time. He's got a playbook from the 2003 Philadelphia yeah. Eagles playoff game. And then you got Bruce Arians. You know. He's, Pretty probably the to- total opposite. He looks, they look similar. They do look similar, but different personalities. I wouldn't want to piss off Bruce Arians. No. Whereas I would like want to go to Montana and fly fish with Andy Reid. Right. <laughs> like just anything. What do you want to do, Andy? We'll do anything. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, even though it is. You're looking forward to the Super Bowl? Yeah. I think I am too, actually. Yeah, I am for the first time <laughs> in a while. Interesting. For the first time in a while. Um, You're right, though. There's been Super Bowls like that New England, Philly. I I just hope like Bane comes and like destroys the field on that game, dude. I I we were talking about it in our group chat. As a Cowboys fan, I don't have a second team. I don't root for conferences or divisions. Like I don't see how people who are Cowboy fans were rooting for Philly in that Super Bowl just they were, because it was Tom Brady. Yeah, they were saying like, I don't want I don't Brady care. to win more, but it's like you don't understand how we can hold that over Philly's head forever. I don't care. I never want Philly. And look what they did. After they won, there were people out in the streets eating horse shit. Yeah, they and literally ate horse shit. They literally yep, ate they horse did. shit. I remember that. And then now, look at them. They're back to being a dumpster fire. <laughs> they didn't they, deserve it. They don't even want their quarterback anymore. Even though he got them to that spot up until like week 16, now they're like, he's a bum. Get rid of him. Fire the coach. It's like Doug Peterson literally won a Super Bowl three years ago, and now he doesn't have a job. But they gave, they replaced Peterson with a pro uh Carson Wentz quarterback. Was it the or Colts coach OC? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has a very Italian name. That's all I remember. I just remember here on the radio. I was like, oh, that's pretty yeah, that's so, a cool lesson. Um I think he's gonna he's gonna be he's I gonna, hope he's he's gonna get Wentz. His... So you're saying they're gonna keep Wentz? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I got rid of all my Jalen Hurts rookies while his oh, value was dang, I didn't even think about that because I had a couple. Yeah, his his value probably will never be the same because I mean no, not it for will years. be the same. 
because next year Carson Wentz sucks and he's going to be out by week I think six. So. And Car- I think and Jalen Hurts is going to go right back. I in. think it's more mental for him where it's like the yips. You know, like Chuck Knobloch had the I, yips. Yeah, I think he needed to get out of Philly. I think he wants yeah. out of Philly. I think he wants out of Philly, but you can't trade that contract. No. That's like Jared Goff. They said they're trying to get rid of Jared Goff or move on. Did you? His extension hasn't even kicked in yet. He's still technically on his rookie deal. They still own four years at like $120 million. Did you hear the cap situation? They're like $75.5 million over the cap. Did you hear uh, Saints are like one hundred and twelve? Over the cap, well, because I'm looking at it like, God damn! I thought the Cowboys were going to be frugal, but no. How can you How can you build a roster if you're negative seventy to a hundred no million? Clue. And they no traded clue. away picks because they got Ramsey. Yep, and they had to trade those picks away to get golf. They don't have Oof. another first round pick until next year. And that's been they haven't had first round picks though for the last two or three though. Yeah, no. So what you're saying it's been going on, and now they still have to wait. And what's crazy is mm. they did good with their first round picks leading up to that. They had Gurley, they had Goff, um, Aaron, Donald Aaron Donald before they yeah. moved to L.A. Yeah, so they they done well, but they just bet the farm, and now they're you know they're which you know it's a, for I, it. I respect the move. If you think like, hey, this guy's going to be the next John Elway, where we got to trade up and get him, and then it doesn't work out, you got to say we took a shot. He took us to a Super Bowl. They showed his record since the Super Bowl, and it wasn't great, but it was eighteen and thirteen. I mean, he's better than Wentz. Oh, well, that's not hard, but yeah. I know, I know, I know what you're saying, yeah, but, no, no. but Wentz was like, hey, he's going to win the MVP that year. He's going to go to the Super Bowl. But it was weird, like, how the the golf situation in L.A. kind of played out, but like, because it was almost like they were, like, begging to start that kid in those playoff games. I'm trying to think who the... I don't the backup that like got rocked and like went to the hospital because oh of okay I know what you mean now because like he I, did get I, rocked I, like in the first like I know he, that was weird oh that's because uh, golf had that thumb though. well I know he had a thumb but it's the playoffs yeah, actually and he's got two thumbs and you okay, are you doing the thing with me are you doing the thing with okay, me keep going um but I, it's the playoffs you wrap it up you shoot it up you do it at, yeah but you're gonna start this kid who has no experience in a playoff game yeah because your quarterback has a little thumb issue. That that had weeks to recover. I'm which... sorry, but if that's Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott tried to <laughs> snap his own leg back in place. Yeah, he was keep slamming playing. it on the ground to lock that. I hope they fucking reset. So Dak. that they whole gotta that him. whole thing was weird to me. How they were just kind of clamoring to get the <clears throat> keep golf out. So I wonder if uh, either McVeigh is soured on him or I don't know. But did that was s- that was weird to me. Did you see the little clip with the GM? It's less Sneed. And this was from like two days ago, and he's like, "As of today, he's a Ram Jared, for now." Yeah, he goes, "As of today, he's a Ram for now." And he's like, he looked at the day, and he's like, "It's January twenty fifth, and he's still a Ram. We'll see what happens." And people are like, "Well, that's fucking ominous." Like, if I was Jared Goff, I'd be thinking like, "I might be fucking out of here." Uh, what do you think uh, New Orleans does? Do you think they resign Jameis? Or do if you think the money's right. Hill? I honestly would rather have Jameis, and I know I would too. I know he's a gunslinger, but the guy threw for like five thousand yards and thirty touchdowns. Well, you don't throw for like thirty-three touchdowns, like you said, and not have talent. The talent is there. He needs somebody who can rein him in. Yeah, and I think Sean, Sean Payton, Payton is the that. guy. And to me, I'm sorry, Taysom Hill is a gimmick. Oh, I would, I would want him to run my my offense for seventeen weeks. And Sean Payton has a man crush on him. I'll, you know, whatever, and you could still use him in Wildcat and all these other ways. I think if the and I just don't see – I just don't – if I would pick the better quarterback. And honestly, it's a good combo because you got Winston that can sling it 
and then you got Taysom Hill that can come in and run Wildcat and do all these other things, and it's kind of like what Philly could have if everything worked out, where you got Wentz that could sling it, but then you could bring in Hurts and run a few gimmick plays. Uh, the thing with Philly, though, is they got Hurts on a rookie deal. I'm pretty sure Taysom Hill already signed like a decent contract where he's making like 10 a year. Yeah, It's hard to hold a gimmick quarterback at $10 million a year. Yeah, But if I could, and they're the ones that are in just cap hell, but if I could swing it, you know, and make it work. I would like to have both. If I couldn't, I think I think Jamison Winston, like you said, has a lot. Of, he won the he didn't win the Heisman that year, but he won the national championship won as the a freshman. Yeah, you know, like he's a winner, and I think he's still good. I think he could still sling it. He just has someone to rein in him, like you said. And Sean Payton would be probably the best person in the fucking world to rein in a quarterback like that and teach him some discipline. I was looking at an article. Uh, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit uh, to the Deshaun Watson situation. Which is weird. Oh yeah, um, it is weird. But they were if, ranking teams like in the like likelihood of pulling Dolphins. off a trade, Dolphins. But they're saying it's going to take three number ones. No, what they should do is give them their third third overall pick back this year, which was Houston's pick, which would be like from the draft day move with Kevin mm-hmm. Costner. Give them their first round pick back. Give them Tua, and give them like. Your next year's first. No, they're saying Houston's already saying it's going to take three first round picks. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it either because because unless you're a team like that, you'd be mortgaging your whole future because you can't build around. Just think about this: Jamal Adams got two first round picks, and he's a safety. That's now we're talking about we're talking about a top ten quarterback. Oh yeah, he is a top ten. Like he like he's great. If I'm using that logic, like it would take five or six first round picks. Yeah. because Jamal Adams still was so stupid. Yeah. I would have given like a second and next year's third for Jamal Adams. But two number ones? Congrats so he got to the two, Jets. He got, he got two number ones. Yeah, so but going by that draft strategy and scale, you're right. It takes it should take about five. Six or eight. <laughs> or six or eight. Yeah, I mean. Because he, he might be a top five, top seven quarterback. He drug, uh, He was on my fantasy team. He drug a team to four he was wins. was on my fantasy team, dog. Drove me to a championship. <laughs> Not in our league. Yeah, that reminds me, you still owe me 50 bucks. 50 bucks? I do. Man, no, that's... <laughs> we'll talk about it off here. That's horse shit. You think we're just playing for giggles? Everyone plays for money. I asked what the buy-in was at the beginning, didn't I? I would have definitely told you 50. Anyway. I'll get you your money. Um, <laughs> Anyways, I heard Deshaun him. Watson. Deshaun Watson, and if he wants out... He's got a no trade clause, and you know I would say, okay, you know what, I can trade you, but you might be going to, I don't know, I can't say Jacksonville because I got number one pick, or I can't say Indy. Cincinnati. Indy's a good team. I want to send him to a shitty team. If my guy's going to hold my franchise hostage, you're going to go to the worst fucking team that's going to give me the best deal. That's what I said about James Harden when he was like, I want to go to Brooklyn or Philadelphia or one of these other teams. I was like, no, you're going to go to fucking Charlotte if they give me the most draft picks and the best, you know, the best players. Because you don't get to dictate my franchise. Yeah, I hate when players. You got to have the other team to play ball, though. I know that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's going to be whoever gets. It's not going to be the three teams you pick. It's going to be whatever team gives me the best deal. Because I'm looking out for my team. I'm not looking out for you. And, you want to leave my team? And I'm not and trading. You want them. me to give you the best deal for you? And I'm not, not trading them within the AFC. No, I, I wouldn't trade them in my division for sure, and hopefully not even my conference, which is bad for us. What if you went to like New England? That'd be really fucking cool. Uh, they said, I heard New England's in big for Stafford. Yeah, Stafford. yeah, that'd be cool too. I, I would, I think I mentioned it to you about a signing trade for Stafford because he'd be so cheap. He'd be back home, but I would only make that move because for a temporary window, because Dak's obviously going to be better for longer. Yeah. That's being talked about all over the place. Uh, I just want the deal with Dak to get done. Oh, 
hundred percent. I just want it to get to be done. signed already. I want to put all put give all them, of it behind us. Give them exactly what Deshaun Watson got four for one sixty. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what it's gonna. He, they already offered him like four for one thirty something. Say, hey, this is Deshaun Watson money. Okay, everyone respects Deshaun Watson. They all say he's top five, top whatever. I'm offering you what Deshaun Watson has. Like that's a good deal. My top three wishes for the offseason: get Dak done. Eat the money short term. Let's trade Jalen and trade Zeke. <laughs> I can trade him. What are you? How many bags of chips are you gonna get? Uh, four. Yeah, four. Four for total. Exactly. I don't trust know. me. I would love to. I'm a hundred percent on board with that. Believe me. Or I think you might have to eat it and cut, cut it. Cut him. Yeah, that's gonna be more logical because they're gonna say, "Oh, you want what for that? How about I just wait next week and you? I'll pick him up off of waivers." Yeah. You know. But I agree. Eat the money, and then um. I think we got to use def- uh, defensive pick at number ten. Well, and that that'll take us to the kind of last thing we wanted to go over in the sport in sports. Um, I've seen Micah Parsons mocked there. I've seen tackles mocked to us. Yeah, the Northwestern I've seen, kid, uh, Patrick Sertan. Yeah, the corner safety, and then um, out of Alabama, McFarley. I've out seen of Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Those are the four that I've seen the most by far. But. You know, this time last year, Grant Delpit was getting mocked to us, and all these other players were getting mocked to us, and we took nobody. If you would have told me CD Lane would fall to us, you know, I would have. You never know. Like, what happens if um, the BYU kid falls, or Justin Fields falls, or one of these? We trade back. Don't draft him. You don't draft him. You want to re-sign Dak and draft a quarterback in the top, whatever. You don't think that's going to be a slap to his face? Well. I take the quarterback on the rookie deal. If he if he doesn't want to if he doesn't want to dance, they've already Man, you offered backed him. Backed up quick from your three no, no, predictions. No. Number one, resign no, deck. That's what <laughs> and I, now you're going. I'm going to walk away that, from him. No, home. that's what I want to happen. But if a if you draft quarterback, him, you guarantee you'll never have Dak on your, sure, on your team again. Yeah, yeah. You you and you're you, betting everything on Justin yeah, Fields mm-hmm. or whoever. No, yeah. fuck that. Give me the guy that's won a. Offensive Rookie of the Year, I who's been to Pro you. Bowls, who's won division titles. I agree with you. That's who I want on my team. But I'm just saying, what if you have to think? I would trade down. I would say, Dak, look, we could take a quarterback here, or we can trade down and we can get you some weapons. Hopefully by late April, the deal's done and dusted. When can they? When's the league year start? Like think, March? No, I think uh, after the Super Bowl. Oh, perfect. They need I to think, hammer that shit out. I think free agencies. I think, uh, what is it, the 7th is it the Super start, Bowl? It starts before the draft. Yeah, it, uh, so the Super Bowl's the 7th, yeah. right? I think free agency opens that next week. Okay. And, that may, it I may, guess yeah, the league office. Because at that whatever. point, the season's over and yeah. people need to get paid. Yeah, yeah so, they need to work on that deal. But my 100%. ultimate goal, I was just kind of playing devil's advocate and just throwing a scenario out there. And I really was more interested in that scenario when we were before we won a couple games and we were picking three to five because then you really have to think if justin fields falls in your lap trade down (laughs) well no i'm with you i want dak i'm a big dak's my guy um but it was it's interesting to think about those type of things um i think for me ideally if we were to keep at 10 and all those guys were there to me it would come down between uh um it's not Panesol. Who's the Northwestern guy? I forget his name. Okay, but you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Big, he's the number he's two. He's the number two tackle. tackle. I would take him or Micah Parsons. I know the corners are there, but I've also heard because I'm not an expert at this. I listen to guys on the fan. They say it's a pretty deep uh, corner safety draft that you can get those guys later. But Micah Parsons is the number one rated linebacker. The Northwestern guy is the number two rated 
tackle. And yeah, these other guys are rated number one and two, but then they say, hey, you can get these guys in the round. We got Diggs last year, and you know, we Second got round. Cheeto in two, we got Jordan Lewis in three, we got in. Anthony Brown, I think, in six. six. You know, so they can find these guys. So I think you take the sideline to sideline linebacker, or you take the the offensive uh, tackle. That's can, I think, that can I, be your future. He's going to have to replace. I hope Tyron Smith is, but it seems like Lyle Collins is fat ass, just don't want to play anymore. Those are the reports that he just wouldn't get in shape. He they said he got in that car wreck, but then it was a minor wreck, and they just said he was never in playing shape, and they just deactivate him the whole year. So that's crazy. I thought he had surgery. He did, but then they said he never rehabbed and he never got in shape and had never showed any motivation to that's play crazy, this year. Because the Cowboys, I they mean, gave him like a four year. Four, he was about ten a year, so it was like four for forty. Yeah, which is a good deal considering you were undrafted. Which he was undrafted over very shitty reasons. But yeah, it's like man, our line was that was our our identity for so, and I was so happy about that. I love having a good offensive line and I love having a good defensive line. Cause I think that's where, you know, it's where you well, make a team. Well, that's where you win. Yeah. You win, you win on, in the trenches on the line. Yeah. So it's like, that's why I'm saying I'm almost leaning towards the Northwestern kid if he's there, but if they decide to trade back to like 17 and they pick up an extra two for next year or whatever, this I'm, year, I'm, I want it this well, year. Well, yeah, you you're need right. It this year. Take it this year. If you were to trade back and still be in the top 20 and you've got an extra second, I'm not mad about you that. You just either. need more darts to throw. Because the then maybe you could still take Sertan with that first round pick and then get a second round offensive line you know what i'm saying just so i either want to take one of those two guys because i think we can wait on the dbs or i want to trade down yeah i feel you and it's got we got to do something about this defense our offense was still pretty decent with andy dalton missing an all pro uh two all pros at guard and and a tackle and, and then another all and then another pro bowl tackle yeah you're missing three either pro bowls or all pros and, you're and a quarterback and, you're, and and we're without Frederick. Yeah, who retired. Who retired. But I'm saying your whole line was different. Your quarterback was and out. And within that, you were playing different variations of the line throughout the whole. Oh, yeah. There I was mean, never a solid it, it, unit. It calmed down toward the end of the season, but there was a time in, in the beginning and middle of the season where it was just rope, uh, musical chairs. That's what I'm saying. They, they could still put up, you know, Andy Dalton could still get a 275, two touchdowns, you know, and Pollard and, and Z Lamb still was 25 combine. yards away from 1,000. Yeah, so I'm saying look, there's our offense is still set, especially if we can get healthy and get back. Got to do something about defense, man. I agree, hundred percent. Got to go defense. But our favorite time of the year, I mean, yeah, there's oh, no more football, draft, but dog. it's my our favorite time of the year from like February to the or actually March to the no combine. To, though, I don't think maybe yeah, they'll do pro days. But I think they're. Not, are you for, are you sure they're not doing combine? Oh, I shouldn't say definitively. I think they are doing combine. I hope so. I hope I'm wrong because I would love to watch I Combine. I think they're doing Combine. I'm um, a nerd and I love to see like, oh, how fast was that shuttle? Hell yeah. yeah. Look at oh, that three cone drill. Yeah. He's killing it. Look at that high jump. Get that yeah. guy on my team. Yeah. All right. So. You want to uh, do a quick prediction? Yeah. Let's do a prediction. I think Kansas City. I want to say the over-under was like 53 and a half. That's healthy. I think I think they'll go over though. Kansas City alone could put up yeah. 40. And yeah. you know Brady's going to keep up. I think the over-under could be closer to 60. But I'll take Kansas City. I'm going to say 38-31. That's a good score. I'm going to write it down. That's a good score. I'm going Kansas City 31-27. And I bet the spread. I bet with mine they wouldn't cover. It It could be about a three-and-a-half point spread, I would I would yeah. bet. So we if it is three-and-a-half, we have them both covering the spread, yeah. which I could see. Kansas City's just got too many weapons. And I do think 
Tampa Bay's defense will show up, though. And oh, I, yeah. I think they're the one team that can. But, like we said, it could take one play from Hill to just go to him. Oh, for sure. He could he could burn him for he 80 could, yards in one play. Open. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, all right, so let's start wrapping it up, and let's get into what are we watching and what are we listening to. Uh, I will go first, and I think we're going to have the same one, so we'll just kind of talk about yeah. it. But uh, I've listened to two podcasts here recently. One's called American Coyote, and the other one is called The Apology Line. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you, I've been I've been listening, or uh, they've been previewing Apology Line a lot, so I've been looking forward to that. And then I didn't know it had already premiered until yeah. you told me, and then just burned through the first two episodes. And have you already listened to the third one? Uh-huh. Third one wasn't as good as the first two, but just because the first two were just like jaw-droppingly good. Uh, especially the endings. The endings for the first one gave me goosebumps. I had to immediately start the second one, and then the second, I'm sorry, I had to finish the second one, and then when that happened, it was the same thing because that's when he was going to meet up with this guy, and you're like, holy fucking shit, let's start the third one. And the third one was more about like, could be could be like the buildup and development of the pod, so it can't be all just juicy all the time. So it's kind of like that if you're watching a series and like the fourth episode is a little boring, but it has a lot to do with the plot and where it's going. That's what I think this was. I think it was building up to the next one. For sure. And just a little quick synopsis. This guy back in uh, 1980 in New York City, he starts posting flyers about uh, a phone line that people could call and apologize for whatever. You know, apologize for... Anything from shoplifting to not picking up your trash to murder. Yep, and, anything, really. And so it kind of sh- details this guy's slow obsession with this apology line, and in particular, this one man. Is he Richie? His name is Richie, uh, that calls into the line and proclaims yeah. to be a serial killer. Yeah, he'll get people that claim, like, oh, I'm, like you said earlier, I'm, I'm the Zodiac, Zodiac, or I'm this guy and that guy, but this guy was, like, calm and cool, and he was like, well, you know, how can I prove it to you? Do you want me to call you the next time someone's here, or, you know, should we... Sorry, I send you proof, and he would give you details, and he'd be like, you know, his name was Angel, and I picked him up at a park. I took him to my house, and yeah, he, he took hair, he took yeah. a long time to die. You know, he finally died on Monday morning, and just like these chilling details that you would like. I don't think he's making this shit up, and I yeah. I don't by listening. I think he's like a real serial killer that's calling in. Yeah, so, like some of the other ones are phonies when they claim to kill. Other people can be like, you know, I cheated on my wife, or I didn't pay my taxes. Yeah. They just want to feel absolved, like talking to a priest. And but he, this guy, was and it like, all started legit. as he's an artist, and it all started as kind of like this social experiment just mm-hmm. kind of an experiment and he he actually detailed some of it um at a at an art exhibit where he oh, that was he cool. made a, he made a phone here he got a, a gutted phone booth and he had the you know tape recorder the receivers and you could just come and pick it up and, and listen to, play it. to the tapes yeah and then there was a movie made on hbo <laughs> the movie sounded yeah, it terrible sounded, it sounded like we need to review it <laughs> oh it would be hilarious to review and um, I, we could look it up see if it's on there because it sounded so bad but no it, it's just a really interesting concept for a uh oh for it's a, a very interesting concept and, um, yeah it's just it's been really good it's really well done and you could tell they're going to focus more on this Richie guy and where he's how far yeah, he's going to take it with dealing with Richie. So yeah, that's going to be wait. like the rest of it. Um, and then the other one we've been listening to, because me and that's all me and Andrew do is just bounce podcast. Well, whenever we find a new podcast, we just bounce it off each other. Um, it's called American Coyote, and uh, it's about this guy named Eldon Kid, and he's an American. And uh, like the title suggests, he's uh, an American coyote. The, the way he got into the business, though, he had it's that wild. travel guide where he yeah. would, you know, and then he was coming back from somewhere, and wasn't he like fixing his car up? And then he looked in the back, and there was and like he, two young he girls. He stopped to sleep overnight. Oh, that's what it was. And he heard some rustling in his trailer, 
and he lifted up the tarp and there was two young girls that were crying, you know, trying that, to get that across. snuck in, snuck on his trailer, trying to get across. And, uh, he, no, that's literally how he became a coyote. And yeah. Then he, he returned her to the family and they gave him money and he was like, Oh, that wasn't too bad. And yeah. And that's how it starts. And it's just dude, a wild and crazy story. It, I'll just Did say you... it involves, Oh yeah, I'm done. It involves the IRA. Yep. <laughs> Mexican prisons. Yep. <laughs> Boxing. Box, bare knuckle boxing. Um, he got he at one point was working for the border patrol because they basically kind of like blackmailed him into doing this deed for yeah. him. Uh, Mormons. Yeah, he's a Mormon. Was a Mormon. <laughs> was a Mormon. <laughs> but it's it's really good. So he just had like the craziest life story. I mean, he literally saved like an IRA general, like leading a member unknowingly. of the IRA. Yeah, in Belfast when he was on a mission, unknowingly just helped this guy out, and then it was like now he's like a marked man. So he had to leave Ireland and come home, and he's like a six foot five gentle giant. Yeah. And he really they he was they said he became like. Uh, the Godfather. He's like a mm-hmm. folklore hero because he would. He would take. He would always protect the women. He would take kids over for free. Mm-hmm. He would always, you know, be, be hey, respectful he always, to. He them. always had hot food and new Clean clothes. clothes. Yeah. So it's new like shoes. That's who people wanted to help out their family, and they would pay good money. And there was one where he was like, you know, he took his future son-in-law with him on a run. And uh, he goes to these people's houses, and he's like, you know, today's the day. You need to pay me. I need I need to be paid, or I'm going to have to take something. And they're like, oh, we don't have anything. So he just walks over and takes this big-ass TV, and he's walking out. And he's telling his son-in-law, he's like, you know, I told them they had to pay me by this part, certain point, and they never paid me. So then they, they do it in his van. Well, then they went to another person's house with all these kids and all these family members. He's like, hey, I got y'all something. It's like three families living and he in. He grabs the TV out that he just took, and he gives it to these yeah. people. And he was like, they were just so thrilled. And he's like, that's just the kind of guy he was. Yep. He, he needed that money. He had it, you know, because it's like, he's like, I'm going to take that money because it's the right thing. And, you know, I, I let you get, I let you have that money, so you got to pay me back. But then what does he do? He pays it forward immediately yeah. to these people. It's really good. If y'all are looking for, um, Oh, it needs to be a movie or a limited series or something. It was so well, that's fucking what kind of cool. reminded me about that Liam Neeson movie. It's Dude. not the same, but it's kind of similar. It was it was truly a wild. So I was like on episode six, and I was like, "This is crazy." You know, like, it gets crazier. It's like no fucking way yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> like it can't get crazier it than does. this. Uh, but yeah, if y'all are looking for anything it. to listen, uh, the Apology Line and American Coyote, they're very very good. Yep. Uh, what are you watching right now? I saw uh, this documentary called uh, Alabama Snake. Mm-hmm. And it was um, about this guy. It took place like in the eighties um, in Alabama, and he was a Pentecostal preacher. You know the ones that handle snakes. They it yep. shows in the Bible like mm-hmm. he will handle serpents and they won't bite yep. them. So they took it literal. And he was like this bad guy growing up, but then he found found God and repented and changed his whole life. Well, one night because they live out in the middle of nowhere, you know, like in the bur- the woods of Alabama, and they get this call and it's um this woman's like saying how her husband tried to kill her and she's needs help. You know, she got bit and she's stumbling down the road when the paramedics show up and she's got this nasty bite. And she says that her husband forced her to do this and, um, that he forced her arm into the head of these snake pits and it bit her. And he, you know, he adamantly denied it. He said, you know, she's crazy and she's been trying to leave him and all this. And you don't know who to believe. And eventually it goes to trial and I don't want to give too much away, but you know, it's kind of like a whodunit and why'd they do it and who do you believe? But it's just a wild thing because they said he tried to commit murder via rattlesnake. And, you know, I don't want to give anything away, but I came out like shaking my head like, I don't know how to, how it, I would lean one way or another if I was a jury. But it was just very interesting because they were saying how, like, this is how, you know, this is how people dealt with stuff back then. Like, police wouldn't talk. They, they wouldn't talk to the police. They wanted to handle it internally. You didn't know who to believe or who to trust. And where can you find it? It was on HBO Max. Uh, damn. I, I got to get that login, dog. Um, what else? 
Uh, we watched The Night Stalker, which was on I Netflix. Which yeah. is it's four parts. They're about forty five minutes each, and I'm telling you, dude, everyone that ends, you're like, we got to start one immediately. Richard we actually Ramirez, busted, dog. we busted them all out. We we the night before Claire fell asleep with like fifteen minutes left of the first episode. So then we kind of recapped, went back, and then we watched two, three, and four all last night. Just knocked them all out, and she was wide awake the whole time. Usually she'll fall asleep, but she was like, "Lo, we got to watch this." And I don't know, man. It's just I love the setting of certain serial killers. I know this sounds crazy, but not that I romanticize the killers, but I romanticize like the era and the time, like Son of Sam in the summer of what was it, seventy seven, mm-hmm. or zodiac in the summer of 69 in san francisco and this one was 85 in la you know like you just feel like you're in those places at that time in the i mean he literally terrorized the whole city of los angeles because they showed it you know it was about a 180 day span and i mean he murdered elderly he murdered young people he murdered men and women he raped children he would go into children's houses take them out rape them bring them back he would break into an old person's home you know, kill them, rape the woman, and leave. They said he had no pattern. He had no, you know, you don't know if he's into men, women, children. He just did it all. I mean, he was pure fucking evil. That's what I was telling Claire the whole time, like, because she didn't really know who he was. And I was like, Ramirez, like, you know, if you believe in good and evil, he is 100% evil. He had no moral compass. He didn't care if it was a child he was hurting or or an elderly grandmother of yep. 17 kids. Yep. What's weird is, like, the obsession with him, like, women, all, oh, the, yeah. all the women. They and showed him in Sean court. Penn. Sean Penn was obsessed with him? He had a, I think he had a run-in with Sean Penn. Like, like pre-arrest? Like, when he's out? Post-arrest. I want to say, like, they were... Well, he must have visited him in jail, then. I want to say. I want to say. What and if fuck? you'll give me a second... I'm... Well, and like you said, to the women, because when he was in jail, and they really did, they were they were, they were were showing the photos, but they would blur it out. But there'd be women sitting on, like, top of... And they weren't ugly women. I mean, they've... You know, if you got this picture and you're in jail, you'd be thrilled about it. And they would just be women in, like, lingerie and lace and nudies. Just, they were, like, women just loved them. Even though he would, like, brutalize these women victims. Okay, yeah. So, Sean Penn and Richard Ramirez, uh, they were pen pals. He what was the riding fuck? him. He was riding him. Dude, that's said, so weird. Uh, less than a decade before he would earn his first Oscar nomination for playing Death Row Prisoner, and Dead Man Walking, Sean Penn <laughs> was sitting behind L.A. County jail bars himself for reckless driving and punching an extra on the set of the movie Colors. Sounds about right for Sean Penn. <laughs> and while inside that prison for 33 days of a 60-day sentence in 1987, the actor was at one point stationed catty-corner to Richard Ramirez. And apparently Holy Ramirez shit. was a fan of Penn's. So, yeah, what? I knew it was something like that. I that was, is wild, I man. wanted to say that he was in jail with him at the same time. That's fucking wild. But yeah, no, the and it's something about killers in prison because like a lot of them get married in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it, he was yeah, he was a ladies' man. Um, but he's in a, prison. He's a l- ugly little shit though. He's, he's got terrible evil. teeth. He has like nice bone structure. I'll say that. Like you know, if you're into all that, like the sunken cheeks, where if you see him, you're like, well, I can see. He's, and then he shows his teeth. He had the most fucked up, nasty teeth, and they all said he stunk. And he's just pure evil, dude. He really was. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you hear the shit with the kids, and they didn't prosecute him on that because they didn't want the kids to have to relive it. But there was like surviving victims that were like, yeah, when I was six, this happened. And they were just saying like, for the police, they couldn't put it all together because they were like, you know, we got a child abduction and rape over here. And then we got an elderly couple murdered over here. And then we have a 
couple in their 40s murdered over here and they're like no one would connect these dots it took you know a cop to finally really look into this he's like i think these are all connected and people thought he was crazy and he's the one there's two cops that get interviewed they were the partners on that case which is crazy that you know and they're just like you know we just put it all together and the way the police work they did was extremely impressive and it's like old school you know like fingerprinting and yeah. footprints is what really got him was a footprint of um, certain shoe and just if you're into that like it was it was one of the best um documentary series i've seen in a really long time yeah i'm gonna start it here pretty soon um i the other night i was on youtube and i got stuck in a youtube black hole and i stumbled on this uh this i don't know if they're a production company or what they do but they they made a series of short documentaries and one of them was called oxiana and it was about the oxycodone uh epidemic in this town in west virginia called oceana and it was so bad it was called they people called oxiana and they just interviewed some of the residents some of the users uh they interviewed this dentist there you know that he was like you know some of these people are just some of the best people on earth they're loving they're kind they have good hearts but oxycodone has destroyed this town and uh it was just really good and it's just you know i think we've talked about it you know the the prescription drug industry it's just it's terrible you know it's uh and then he had another one called florida man where he just went down to florida and he just filmed and the florida is fucking wild dude uh florida is wild and then he had a two-part documentary called american juggalo and he filmed, I guess, the Juggalos and the Juggalettes. They have this thing called The Gathering or something. And it's like a week where all these Juggalos are in the backwoods of Tennessee. And there's explosions. And there's titties. And there's sex. And there's beer. And I didn't know this, but there's straight-edge Juggalos. <laughs> and there was a lot of woot-woot. And there was a lot, a lot of, of Fago. <laughs> a lot of face paint. But it was, I could not stop watching it I, I copied my brother i sent a link to my brother i was like you have to watch this imagine stumbling upon a juggalo convention like that in the middle Dude, of tennessee just, and there was kids there what little juggalos and juggalettes yeah uh mom and Second, dad third generation yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was, dude. You've got to watch it if you've got. For them, like, a dude, spare. that really is like a lifetime. And that's what them. they say. They said it's like a family, and like mm-hmm. I can get behind it. He's like, yeah, there are juggalo gangs, but they don't represent us. Like, and it showed like people. They were like, yeah, you know, I was lost. Like, my parents wanted me to go to college. I didn't want to go to college. I was just bouncing around, and I discovered ICP and the juggalos, and now they're my family. He's like, now, and this one guy was like, uh. Now I'm uh, about to graduate college, and they turned my life around. They took me in when nobody would. So, I've actually like, heard I get that, that, that part. Really tight-knit. I get that part They do part watch of out it. for each other. Like, yeah. they look ridiculous, but they look ridiculous together. Yeah. And they really are tight-knit. But I've I just could not stop watching it. And then there was a part two, uh, and I watched that. Um, but I just got stuck in this black hole, and I just kept going down and down and down. And then, of course... Season 12. Oh, God. Married at First Sight came back on. I'm sure we'll get a whole season recap my next episode. You'll burn through them. No, I got to watch them live. I'm caught up. <laughs> you finally caught up to all Dude, I'm caught up. seasons. I'm caught up. They're, uh, where are they at? They're in Atlanta. 
Hot Lana. Hot Lana. I don't know. Love if, is in the air. I don't know if this. Uh, I don't know if this one's going to be any good. I'm sure we'll find out. I will let you know. <laughs> yeah, right. I let us let know. You know. Our listeners are all on pins and needles. They're just waiting. Uh, I think yeah. they're looking forward to Big Brother coming back. Actually, probably. I'm looking <laughs> forward to it because I'm gonna get in on it. Let's go. I'm gonna get in on it. See what I'm doing here? I extended my olive branch. Now you gotta watch Merit at First Sight. We'll see. What There's signs. Yeah, I don't like. <laughs> I didn't like the reaction there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think we're clocking in at an hour forty. Um, this is a good little one to get back into the groove of things. Like I said, I I was excited all day at work. It feels good to be back in the chair. It feels good to be back uh, talking with you and you know getting back to it. It's Definitely. gonna get. It's gonna get. Uh, it's gonna take some getting used to saying you know the mild and lazy guys podcast. Was that it? Mild and lazy guys. We dropped the two because yeah. that's a given, and we want to have guests on, so we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves we, on a number. We first said. We first decided on two mild and lazy guys, and then literally minutes before we hit record, we were like, ah, let's just drop the two. Yeah. Because I was like, ah, how am I going to do this intro? Because Intro the first, flows a little better, I think. The first intro, I did say, hello, hello, and welcome to the... Di-, and I stopped myself and had to re-record, so... And I don't want to get sued by Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd, so yeah. distance ourselves a little bit as, as we can. So on we- top of uh, Sergey. Yeah. I can't right. afford these bills, dog. No. I can't even afford fantasy football. This. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up here. We appreciate you guys sticking in with us, and uh, we'll be back next week. Um, but for Matt and Andrew, we're out. <laughs>